random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I've been so used to the Moon Knight one, I was about to say presents. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Presents. And, and, oh, thank you. Present and accounted for. What, what kind of presents are we doing? Are we doing, you know... Uh, you got like yours the other day. We, I, on, I gave you the gift of my friendship. Oh, what a gift. I Keeps even, on giving. Yeah, it sure does. Anyway, taking. La- ladies and gentlemen, t- on this episode today, we are talking about the movie event of 2022. Yes, we're reviewing Morbius again. No, we're doing Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange, or Colonel Weird, or Captain Kooky, or whatever his name is this month. It sounded like you said Doctor Orb. And yes, that's I a said Doctor Orb. I like the, the Orb. The B is for bargain. I like the Orb part because not only a supervillain in Marvel folklore, but a big part of early in the movie and yeah. end of the movie and it's funny you know listen going to this movie i got a lot spoiled for me and obviously if you're listening to an episode with this title talking about multiverse of madness and you haven't watched the movie you're an idiot shut this off please <laughs> you know just as as uh, twitter just notifies me that somebody just oh liked one of my tweets thanks shout out to tj shevlin <laughs> but anyway and by the way, it's, it was a tweet he liked pertaining to Multiverse of Madness, which is kind of appropriate. Perfect. Yeah. But anyway. Mr. Perfect. Oh, I love him. He was my favorite wrestler. Anyway, he, uh, with this movie, again, if you have not watched the movie, shut it off, please. If you don't want to be spoiled. If yeah. it doesn't matter, you want to have all input you possibly can get before you see it, that's fine, too. And I, I'm just going to get it right off. Uh, we're going to talk about the big thing in this. We're not going to talk directly about the movie start of it yet, but we will. But... That big reveal of the Illuminati, and the Illuminati in this, if you remember the uh, Civil War story, is a group of highly skilled individuals who are representing all sorts of different facets of the Marvel Universe, such as, you know, Atlantis, such as regular Earth, such as representing the mutants, etc., etc., etc. And the Illuminati in this was Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau, we don't we're sh- we're positive it's Monica Rambeau, but it might be another, you know, different universe version. So yeah, knows? because I'm looking at her face and I said, is yeah. it Monica or is it Maria? But again, it is different universes. So okay, and that's a question I want to bring up too. Yeah, oh, we will two different universes. Yeah, <laughs> we also have in here Black Bolt. We no, I was gonna go with like the bigger names. Last. Oh, what's your f- Baron Mordo? And then we have. In order of importance, in my opinion, Black Bolt, like Eddie said. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, Captain Carter, Black Bolt, Professor Xavier of the X-Men. And I saw this movie, by the way, with captions. So they have the on-screen captions and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when music cues happen and whatnot, it says whooshing in the background or whatever. It says stuff like that. When we start to see Professor Xavier's yellow bumper car, it rolls on up. And it says on the bottom, and it made me laugh because they're really trying to brand it as that. X-Men 92 theme starts playing, and I go, 
nine or no, sorry, ninety seven theme song yeah, starts playing, and okay. I'm just like, you know, it's X Men ninety two, right? But in the credits, I thought I saw in the music it said ninety seven. <laughs> yeah, because. X-Men 97 is what Marvel Studios is going to be putting out on the award-winning Disney Plus as an upcoming animated series, I think, this year or next. And we got some stuff to talk to talk to you all about with that momentarily. But then let's talk about the final big reveal. Everyone's favorite pharmacist, Reed Richards. Yes. And <laughs> pr- played by John Krasinski. And with a beard. Again, I knew about this scene and all the spoilers and all that good hunky dory stuff, and it was funny in my theater. You just hear you hear a hushed, uh, no way, just a lot of that. And you, you, Eddie, you know what I go. You know that's the chittering in the movie theater. Yes, yeah, it's fine. But, <laughs> it, it wasn't quite the same in the dri- you, in the drive-in. Yeah, you were in a car and you just hear. And it's just one person. Sitting outside the car, and it was getting chilly, too. Oh, you were doing the... Oh, that, I like that. It, were you in like the back of like a pickup truck or something, and there's like a barrel of hay next to you? No, not the hay and not in the back of the car, because two others were sitting in there, so it was on one of those folding chairs. Oh, no, that yeah, stinks. Was... I'm sorry. And those, those are the worst, because when you sit on a folding chair, especially you know as a Bethel Woods enthusiast, you know those little folding chairs, they have the rented chairs, and you're just like... It wasn't that, but it was similar that, you know... Your knees are like all the way up to your eyes, you know? Be. Yeah. Just all that Well, between stuff. that and random headlights going... Going on oh. and cars restarting, and then the car we were we were in, you know, having to kind of restart That's too the, because after yeah. a while the car shuts off mm-hmm. and you lose your audio. And it's funny because drive-ins are such a quote-unquote antiquated, you know, thing of the past and all that stuff. But I feel like you know, car, it was for a fundraiser. Car, it was worth yeah, doing. Car you know? manufacturers should realize, hey, drive-ins still exist at least you know in three states of the fifty. <laughs> <laughs> but and here's the thing: I'm not putting down drive-ins. I absolutely love drive-ins and. Shout out to one of the, you know, we have one in our backyard, the Fair Oaks Drive-In. Shout out to Fair Oaks Drive-In as well as the uh, Warwick Drive-In over in Warwick, New oh, York. right. Both excellent. And by the way, with uh, the Warwick Drive-In, when New Mutants came out during the lost year of 2020, they did a double feature of New Mutants and Deadpool. And it was an amazing double feature because I'm just like, that's a comic dork who just programmed that one. Good move. Because, because where is Deadpool from? New, New Mutants. Mutants. Absolutely. So, anyway. Let's get back to Reed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not talking about the, the field of Reeds. We're just talking about one singular Reed in this. Uh, this appearance in the comics in the last few years since the uh, Secret Wars event of 2015 by everyone's favorite chart-loving comic creator, Jonathan Hickman, Reed Richards has been off in outer space doing his thing before the uh, Dan Slott relaunch. And he's got his own beard. He's doing this. He's doing that. Well, I hope he has his own, not somebody else's. Oh, yeah. He he's, you know, borrows it. It's like rent-a-beard. No, he can grow his own. Well, I mean, some ladies out there have their own beards. Anyway, it's a joke that you will fly over your head if you don't get the joke. It's a reference to a gay man who pretends to be someone's girlfriend or boyfriend. No. Sorry, I messed that up. Not a metaphor. I will catch it. <laughs> anyway, so... Oh, wait, no, I, I botched that completely. It's actually a woman that's a beard, and she's the person that pretends to be the the guy's uh, girlfriend because that's a beard. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway. Okay. I like how this is what we're talking about in our Multiverse of Madness review, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Anyway. Marvelous madness <laughs> now. Oh. Anyway. So with, you know, we're seeing him in this interpretation, the, uh, Krasinski as Reed Richards with the beard and the cool-looking costume, by the way. Like, they, I knew this is what the costume would look like. I'm just like, 
they're going to do the uh, current MCU style of, you know, like, we had like leather and pockets and all that kind of sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, pockets? Yeah, it's just weird. Like, it was, it was pockets and also just like, you know, layered. It's like weird stuff, but okay. it's, like, it's like a flight suit kind of. But anyway, I digress. So in the comics nowadays, Reed Richards has a beard. And some artists out there, you know, working on the title, have drawn John Krasinski with a beard and just made him into Reed Richards. And they, it's literally Krasinski in the comics. And it's funny because I know so many people out there that have petitioned and gone for make John Krasinski and Emily Blunt read and sue. You have to do it. You have to do it. I will not see this movie if you don't do it. Well, that's stupid because, I mean, you know, the casting director for the MCU has been pretty damn solid so far, so uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I digress. But with this uh, portrayal, he, you know, for the, the amount of screen time he had on screen as Reed Richards, it was pretty great. And it got me thinking, you know, I'm talking to a friend of the show, Jason Ayers, and we both had the movie spoiled, and we've been talking about this for the last week or so. And one of the comments he made was, isn't it kind of funny that Watts leaves the uh, director role of Gar- or Sp- Ugh, Fantastic Four? Easy for me to say. <laughs> but he leaves that spot the week that Reed Richards, played by John Krasinski, is debuting in the MCU. It's almost like Watts was a placeholder director this entire time, and they were just like, let's surprise everyone. So who knows? But... It might also have been, you know, a condition that if Krasinski, direct, you know, stars in the movie, he has to direct. We don't know. But mm-hmm. overall, I thought it was a great surprise. And again, yes, I had it spoiled for me. I kind of intentionally did it again, doing that little uh, jumping on a grenade to save everyone else. Because I, I got it spoiled on my Facebook the other day, by the way, which was great, on a completely unrelated post. <laughs> it was my one post on my uh, Facebook where it says, it's that time. It's that time of every woman's favorite time of the year, WrestleMania. And he proceeded to write in the comments about Reed Richards and uh, quote-unquote Black Captain Marvel. And I'm just like, first off, really? You're going to call her that? Second of all, just that whole thing of spoiling it for somebody that you know is a fan of this stuff. And don't get me wrong. I'm fine with spoilers, but... Don't be a dick and ruin somebody's day. That would be like, you know, me jumping out with a megaphone after every single showing of Empire Strikes Back going, Darth Vader is Luke's father. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, this is 2023, Peter. You know, we know this. Next year, I'm talking about it. Anyway. Oh, next yeah, year. Don't worry. I, I, don't have my ske- I don't have my schedule yet for the rest of the I mean, I have but my schedule you, pl- set for the rest of the year. Now you know what you're going to do next there. Next year, yeah. It'd be May of next year, probably. May the 4th. Or May, May-, May the 6th be with you, Eddie. And with you, too. Thank you. I, I did that to a couple people on uh, May the 4th, by the way, and to you. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. That's what you should do. Well, also, fun fact, they did that in uh, Mandalorian, I think, season one, and I was just like, you guys gave reference to Catholicism. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. In regards to all those appearances, I was really, really hyped, and... Drinking those uh, energy drinks uh, again, Oh, huh? man, it was a good movie, Eddie. I... I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Eight and a half out of ten. Solid movie. Solid Raimi. It is the summer of Raimi, boys. And, yeah, I uh, really enjoyed it. And, like, let's just get right into the beginning of the movie. Friend of the show, Jeremy Bagley, commented, sent me a text right before I went to go see it. He goes, you're going to enjoy it. You're really going to love it. And it's action all the way, th- like, right from the get-go. And I'm like, oh, he's probably just, you know, saying that or whatever. And then I see it, and I'm just like, holy shit, he wasn't kidding. 
What time did he see it? You saw it at 5 o'clock for he, crying out loud. He saw it like 3 o'clock. They show, three? Mo- yeah, they show movies. Way early. Okay. I knew there was a 4 somewhere in, in our New York area. I think 2 and 3. Because it's, it's like in New York State. Like mm-hmm. on the preview showing day. And because look at this movie. You If you go to uh, AMC in Times Square, there is about like 40 showings a day or something like that. Some ludicrously high number. My my thing being, though, way back, I don't know how far when, maybe in times of the first Spider-Man movie, you had to be resolved to go Thursday night at 12.01 into Friday morning to see. I that. I've done that for one of the Spider-Man movies and a Star Wars movie locally yeah. to us. But now you've got a 7 p.m., which I thought was the earliest that's at that the, point. But now it's even on the Thursday. It's even earlier than that. So yeah. they probably realize the theater people... We can make more money. No, in all honesty, it's also they have to recoup their losses because of the the shitty lost year. Like, when you think about it. And plus, also, they realize there's still a demand for the superhero movies. Although, you know, hashtag Morbius Sweep wasn't there. But uh, in regards to a lot of what's going on. Because you're looking in the daytime. No, he can come out in the daytime, so, yeah. Listen here, you little shit. (laughs) He's a part that will be not ignored. (laughs) A palindrome name, all the rest of them, everybody falls into place. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. <laughs> Tell you, Morbius, Vulture, we're going after Spider-Man. I'm sure they will, if it doesn't get canceled immediately. But, hashtag one trillion tickets. But in regards to what's going on with this movie, yeah, action right off the uh, bat. And we're introduced to the character of America Chavez. We don't get a name until, you know, once she meets... Our universe, well, the movie universe is 616, which, by the way, that annoyed the hell out of me because they are not 616. That's no, what comic books are. The, the movie universe. Yeah, they're I like had some a, random number. I don't know how random it is because maybe this Earth number is not in, in comic book stuff, and that's where one of my questions comes in is how how did Earth 616 came to be named Six. That was that. because of Alan... The comic version is because of Alan Moore naming it that in the Captain Britain comics in the UK in the Daredevils series. Okay, that's right. I had heard that once before. But now we get Earth 838, which which was the alternate universe where there's the strange that dies. But yeah. 616 is the main Marvel universe right. that we all know and love. It's Starting our mid, mid-world or Midgard thing that we would come to know and, and like, yeah, or, or, or the DC equivalent as Earth 1. But... But they, what I'm saying is, what I read in one event, or article rather, was that much of this movie, Multiverse of Madness, was set in Earth 838. Which, if you do the math, is 222 in between. But here's the thing about that. So there's got to be something to that as well, I think. For years, the uh, MCU was designated as Earth 199999. And that was per the... Uh, Official handbook of the Marvel Universe, A to Z, Volume 5, released the same year as Iron Man in 2008. So, it's funny that, you know, now, the reason they're going with 616, obviously, is because what it is, you know? But, it just, it makes me laugh because uh, 616 is a number that's prevalent in the Marvel Universe. Um, if you've ever seen the photo of myself and Eddie, where we are at the uh, This Week in Marvel uh, photo, or the little set... We're mm-hmm. sitting in front of the microphones. There's a uh, clock right behind us, and the time is 6.16. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, my God, you guys, can you see that? It's the designation of the Earth. Was it just but one, or were there more than one There were multiple clocks. There, there were, but every okay. single one said 616. Well, that's cute. Yeah, yeah that was, that too. But 
the and, whole. But you add it up, and it's it comes to thirteen. If that means anything, I don't know. Thirteen, thirteen, Mockingbird Lane. That's doom, the Munsters. Doom, 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 doom. Anyway, in regards to uh, the overall, you know, uh, with America Chavez. I'm excited to see her in the Marvel Universe, but I feel like she was just an ancillary character in this movie, which it's her debut. That's understandable. All she came across, though, for me in this movie was a plot device, which kind of bummed me out because you could flesh her out, do a little bit more of the backstory, but give it time. This is just the first. That's why I had a conversation with a friend. I had to preface it with, like, I do know this is just the intro to the character. I'm aware of that. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, you know, She's doing her thing. She's utilized for this purpose in this movie, but we'll learn more about her down the line. That's why it's like you see Wanda in uh, Age of Ultron back in the day, or even before that, there was the other movie where she made her debut as like a end credits thing or post credits thing. The twins. Yeah, that scene. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, they didn't even they didn't even properly describe their backstory. It, it was the end of the movie. Yeah. It was an end credits but, scene. But I'm saying in Age of Ultron as well. It's like. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. We still have time with these characters. We'll do more and more and more. So that's where I'm just like, yeah, I, I understand, but I'm also like, oh, man, I could have done more with her. But again, time is a construct, and that construct is ever-evolving. I think it was a solid introduction to this character that who you could you get to see that she is powerful. Yeah, She we, has strength and well, punching through that uh, what, what that heavy-duty glass cage of hers. But before, before and or after that, uh, she could open up a portal of sort, I guess, whatever, and it would be in the shape of a far five-pointed star, which, of course, mirrored or reflected the, the back of her denim jacket in a picture of a star, so America makes I, sense. Okay, good. I, I did laugh every single time I heard her name used. America is very powerful. America is very strong. I'm just like, ah, boy, we are sure on the nose today. But but but, but what about, there <laughs> was a question. about her running on something, too, and I just remarked, she runs on Duncan. Uh, okay. I need a, I need a nice coffee to go. There's another point somebody brought up and said to me in the comics is America's parents or moms both female. Is that a thing or I'm not put in there I'm, for the movie? I don't know. I'm not versed with the character, but again, yeah. things change. So, you know, you can you yeah. can do that with different interpretations of the characters. Like like again, I will keep going back to it. Miles Morales. Miles has a dead dad in one version, Miles has a dead uncle in another, a dead mom in one. Mm. It's all sorts of different things that just you can change it up as much as humanly possible because this character, she's only been around since 2011, 2012, something like that, mm-hmm. because of the uh, Vengeance story, I believe, by Joe Casey. And it's one of those things where, again, I'm not I'm not, a, like that you know, knowledgeable about the character, so I don't really know. My wheelhouse is more, you know, like early 2000s, mid-2000s Marvel, so that's where I lie. But like the uh, 2011 onward, ironically, as I got back in, I was reading other titles, that I'm not that aware of. But it's cool to mm-hmm. see that these characters, they have, it's it's much more, um, how do you say, freeing for them to be able to go off and do these kind of things. You know, where it's like, it's a just different kind of uh, interpretation that can be ever evolving. You don't have to like stick to one static thing. Whereas... You have plenty of dorks out there who are very mad that Spider-Man, you know, changed one little thing from his 1960s appearance when, you know, oh, I don't know. Things were different back then. You can change it up just a hair sometimes. Oh, no, she didn't give him wheat cakes for breakfast. She gave him Wheaties. (laughs) Like, come on, man. But I digress. 
overall with the uh, action of this movie, you know, we're going in in regards to the how do you I mean, I don't think it had the jump scare elements. The jump scare elements oh. were plentiful, and that produced, you know, the jump scare became a scare, which is, of course, a horror type of thing. And, and you, what is Sam Raimi known for? Horror. Drag Me to Hell, the Evil Dead franchise. Uh-huh. And you you even had that in Spider-Man 2 when he was working on that one scene with Dr. Octagonopus when, you know, you see him on the operating table and the... Yeah, yeah. Although, for me, the most prevalent Sam Raimi scene in the whole movie was that one flashback where we're seeing Mordo talking to America and Doctor Strange, and you see, like, the flashbacks with, like, you know, the floating head mm. cutting to this, cutting to this, cutting to this, all while, you know, it's... It was structured and looked like something I would have seen in Evil Dead 1 or 2, and I loved the hell out of it. It Like, I could hear, you know, soft, you know, incantation music in the background playing as that scene is unfolding, and you know, describing a past of these characters. I loved it. I was going to go back to the scene where, and I think you realized when it was happening that Xavier had gone through a door, and oh my god, coming to a uh, you know a pile of rocks essentially with a hole in there, which is where Wanda's subdued, normal, passive self was, and trying to get her out, and he doesn't get out. That's for damn sure. No, no. but we see him get killed off like that you know snapping his neck and it's intense by the way still not as intense as another death in this movie that we will get to momentarily but I gotta ask when Logan came out that was supposed to be the swan song of Sir Patrick Stewart playing the role of Professor Chuck Xavier now as a result hey <laughs> result hey I heard that Logan came, yeah, was that, there that, but that, where I didn't quite see or somebody probably just made that up it's just BS you know it's you guys, look, he's right there. There's a hat. That's him. No, it's not. There's a you got, it's not going to be until we watch multiple times and then we end up pausing the DVD and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what was the thing about this is Logan was his swan song for the role of Professor Xavier. Do you think this is the final swan song now? I really hope it's not, and I kind of want him to play Xavier on X-Men, the animated series, 97. Well, Like, yeah. they got to do it. They got to do that. Because while, yes, the voice actor from X-Men 97, or 97, 92, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, he, you hear Sir Patrick Stewart. I read the lines in Sir Patrick Stewart's, you know, voice when I read the comics, mm-hmm. even though I'm an X-Men TAS guy. You still got to, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. You you read the lines of Wolverine as Hugh Jackman. I read them in the voice of, uh, what's his name? The voice of, uh, and he was a previous guest on the show, so I'm really bad at this. But um, I know exactly what you're talking about. The voice on X-Men the Animated Series. And you're the X-Men TAS uh, authority here. I know the episodes, but I sometimes don't know the actors. Wow. Even we've had them. Although so Chris Potter, shout out to so, Gambit. Oh, so there you go. Right, okay. But anyway, in regards to that, you know, I think uh, I don't I don't know if I, I just hope this is not the finale for uh, Sir No, Patrick I didn't Stewart, realize that. But uh, it's dark. I didn't realize that Chuck's last uh, role was, regardless of what happened in the movie, was in Logan. Yeah. That you couldn't do anything else with him. He said, like, this is my farewell. I, you uh, know, I've done everything I could. And it's like, yep. And then it's like money talks. And then he's like, yep, I can do it again. Give me give me that bumper car. But um, And by the way, shout out to uh, Mitch at Terrificon. I really do want to see this, and I hope he takes the advice oh, to heart oh. of the uh, photo op for a Professor Charles Xavier bumper car wheelchair thing because I'm sorry. I will take a picture in that thing. I will shell out 10 bucks to get a picture oh, with that. Yeah. Because it's cool. Like, that's 
If he can do the spider buggy, your, he can do that. Yeah, put your fingers up to your temple and pretend you're projecting your mind, and yeah, absolutely. Exactly. That would work, for sure. And you know, also in regards to uh, deaths in this movie, we got the actor who played Black Bolt on the legendary television series Inhumans reprising the role of Black Bolt, and... Not for long. Oh, boy. Um, that death was one of the most darkest things I've ever seen. So if you maybe went to go get a drink in the movie theater, went to go potty at that moment, Wanda closes his mouth just as he's opening to do his, you know, black bolt... Uh, Destructive la- voice uh, thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, which he got to do a little bit of, so at least we got to see and or hear how that power, you know, worked. Yeah, he does that, and then immediately she closes the mouth, and then the sound reverberates back into his skull, effectively blowing his brains out. And I saw that, and I'm just like... That was the moment in the theater where I literally yelled out, holy shit, <laughs> because I'm sorry, I get, yes, it's a PG-13 rating. That was, like, on level with scanners, Cronenberg scanners, where you just see a head explode, and I'm just like, you can do that in a PG-13 movie? Like, was it, like, the consensus of, like, listen, this is the only way we can kill this dipshit off. What are we going to do? Oh, it blows his brains out. Like, what? I, I just thought it was a kind of sort of a cave... Yeah, you thought it was a cave-in. No, it was, like, you see, like, it explodes right there. And I'm like, no. Like, it comes out of the back of his head. I'm like, jeez. Yeah. And then you also see the ultra-gruesome and really sad death of um, Reed Richards. Reed. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, you know, how he dies, it reminds, like, all those deaths reminded me of, and I feel like this was what they borrowed from ever so slightly, Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe in all of the evil and vindictive ways Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. And, Mm. like, that way she killed Reed was just very reminiscent of how stuff like that was. Or how she killed off Captain Carter, which was... Oh, jeez. Yeah. That was... And I saw the line. I knew the line was coming when, you know, it was great to see Captain Carter and she had some action shots going on there and stuff like that. And I think the question was posed to her... By the Scarlet Witch, and she said, what, two words, had enough? Yeah. And I knew what was coming was, I can do this this all day. day. But, you know, the cheese factor, corny, whatever, but it works. It's fun. You you like it and stuff like that. But then, and then for the second time, seeing Captain Carter's shield embedded in the wall, but only it's much bloodier than the second time. And thank goodness we didn't see anything else but her stunned face from the sort of waist up. So now one of the things about this movie that really got me thinking is the moment when you see America and Doctor Strange going through the different multiverses. And Mm. this is going to be the one scene where everyone is pausing. I had a conversation with Daiko of a stark contrast about this, and she remarked, I think that they uh, maybe had done Spider-Verse in there in the middle of it, you know, to take the piss out of Sony just a little bit, you know, tease them. But it's... It's going through all the different multiverses. You have a pixel-based one. You have a paint-based one. And friend of the show, uh, friend of the show, Shane Hagedorn of an honorable mention, he brought up one of them might be uh, X Men: The Animated Series, and they, it makes perfect sense because when we they saw, went like, to the cartoony cartoon one, one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there, it went to I think the paint. Kind there of was liquidy. another cartoon one though, and that was the What If universe. Mm, okay. Yep. So yep. like I saw that, I'm like, oh man, I have to see What If again. But, <laughs> I mean, there there were so many different multiverses that they went through, and it was cool to see. And, 
again, another moment in the movie, there are a lot of Sam Raimi tropes that I'm waiting to see utilized. And one was involving, you know, his car. I wanted to see what the car that he had from the first Evil Dead that he would use in so many other movies. How was he going to incorporate in this? It, it's got to be something more than just, hey, the car is in the city streets, blah, blah, blah. The other trademark of Sam Raimi in his movies is incorporating a cameo from your friend and mine, the lovable and affable Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Oh, my God. When he showed up, like, it annoyed me that the pizza guy. The pizza ball guy. The pizza ball guy. Oh, yes. I want pizza ball. I want to try that. It looks so like it looks so gross and so good at the same time. Yeah, well, but seeing him do his thing and just over and over shemping himself, which is a term that Sam Raimi and his pals would you know make in regards to physical, punching. Yeah, physical That's comedy that... shemping, oh, like okay. shemp from shemping. the Three Stooges. So okay, sure. I was going to say Jim Carrey and Liar Liar, but no, they're like no, he did. I know, I know that. Okay, All right. but like. Raimi and all those guys are big fans of physical comedy. That's why if you watch the Evil Dead movies, it's a lot of pratfalls and kind of stuff like that mm. that uh, the great Bruce Campbell uses. And it did bum me out, though, with his cameo because I thought it was going to be, and I had said this on a previous episode, I wanted it to be Ash so <laughs> badly. I know. Because you just I see know. a man with a chainsaw for a hand. <sighs> Groovy. You know, just do something with that. Because then... You're incorporating the upcoming Marvel Zombies kind of stuff. Why not? Because he is a big part of the Marvel Zombie story in the comics. But otherwise, oh man, seeing him got a big smile on my face. And he's one of those people that, you know, I want to see do more stuff. But hopefully, you know, we can get Raimi, by the way, to do more stuff in the MCU. Because this movie, it, it played perfectly with all of the trippy sensibilities of what Sam Raimi does and what Doctor Strange was with Ditko and all the other artists and talents behind it. Well, let's jump forward, of course, to the very end because we have Bruce Campbell we're, talk we're talking about now. And how long did, what, America asked Doctor Strange, will he keep doing that for? And what did he say, three weeks? Yeah, and then so at now the very know, end. Then... So now we know the three weeks were up. It was the stinger scene, and he Whoa. goes, it's over. It's finally over. It's over. Although, I'm sorry, for a movie with a two-hour runtime, I really wasn't that annoyed about the time if it was a three-hour movie, he should have said, yes, it's over, it's finally over. That would have been great to see at the end of The Batman. <laughs> it's over, it's finally over. Mind you, ladies and gentlemen, I loved The Batman, but it was a three-hour movie. I'm just getting at the fact that we're waiting. We've been trained to watch for a mid- and post credit scene in a Marvel movie, and then we get to it. And it's just, first it's I'm thinking. First, I'm thinking, though, you saw the words Doctor Strange will return. That, I think, typically has been, or at least in half the time, that's the last thing you see in a movie, in a Marvel movie. Sometimes. If, if you see anybody's no. going to return. But then I didn't think there was a visual credit to be seen after that. But in this case, you get Bruce Campbell. It's he over. stops. It's over. Like, in other words, okay, you can leave now. You know, we're done here. And well, perfect. My, uh, nice tie-up to that. I, I yeah. will say my favorite useless stinger, just like that one, on par is still the... Uh, Spider-Man uh, Homecoming with Captain America. Patience. <laughs> just whatever that was and just the whole so, point of, like, you sit, you stayed for nothing. You got detention. You know. I loved it. I thought, like, that's still, like, hands down the most meta of them all, where it's just like, yeah, you just sat here just for me to sit down in a chair. Well, see you later. And it, it's great, but... It is. In regards to, let's see, some other stuff in this movie that I really just... 
the utilization of Wanda in this movie really got me because a lot of people out there are kind of on the fence now about how to feel about Wanda as a character. And the whole she's a villain now, just a, a quote-unquote one-note kind of brainwashed villain after what she was in WandaVision. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If you had remembered from the end of WandaVision, the post credit stinger scene of her sitting reading the Darkhold, what in, does the Darkhold do? In the cabin by herself, in the woods. Yeah. She's sitting there reading the Darkhold, and as a result, when you read the Darkhold, it changes who you are as a person. It takes mm-hmm. over you. So that's why she is the way she is in this movie. I can't believe I really have to hold your hand, ladies on, and gentlemen, for that, this. Yeah, but that on top of the fact that the, the trauma of losing loved ones yeah. and wanting to, through the course of WandaVision, have the boys and or Vision. I yeah. was kind of disappointed there really wasn't any callback to Vision other than I put my fist through my loved one's head. It's like, what, what else? You know, I, want, I, do, I wanted to see maybe just like, you know, her like floating Vision head going, Wanda, Wanda. <laughs> I don't know, but like, I would say she was perfect in this movie. When she showed up, she was an ominous force to be reckoned with, and I love that about the character. Mm-hmm. And it also got me thinking in regards to um, the overall visual effects of this movie. It's, again, you have Sam Raimi, who is a student of the Steve Ditko style of what he can do a lot of the comics that you know he read when he was growing up were the silver age comics he was reading the spider-man comics by steve ditko by uh john romita senior all those cats and it's like you're seeing that and it's like wow he's he's mimicking their style because you look at spider-man 2 the scene where he walks away from the trash can with his costume in there that's literally a panel ripped from spider-man number 50 Mm -hmm. amazing spider-man number 50 spider-man no more and I love that. I love that in this now, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go all trippy with the uh, Steve uh, Ditko, Frank Brunner, uh, just balls out crazy, wacky, trippy visuals that you can only get in a comic, but then you turn it and put it on the big screen, animate it, make it living and alive. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy shit. It's like you are you become uh, Jeff Goldblum in... Uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, 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 you, you did it. You did. You crazy son of a bitch. You did it. Uh, uh, uh. Do you think he's sponsored by Adidas? Do you if, think, n- if not, somebody be get on, get on the phone and uh, make you, it happen. Do you think Jeff Goldblum uh, makes video games for Atari? Uh, You've been waiting to use that. I'm sure. Oh, I used it today earlier to piss off annoy a friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, oh man, that well, was Jeff it. Piss off or annoy? I mean, there's a difference. A little from column A, a little from column uh, B. Very good. But in regards to the uh, characters in this movie, we got a, the debut of another character, and that's at the mid credit scene, played by Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. And a friend of the show, Jeremy Bagley, made the comment of, she's got a really good agent if she's getting into the Fast and the Furious movies and this and that. Holy crap. Which explains why, in some theory, that she was not cast and put into The Eternals. Which is fine, because yeah. that's a really good agent. Angelina Jolie. In that Thena character. So, yeah, it took me a, a little bit to realize, because uh, I was trying to focus on what had she torn the fabric of reality into. It, it reminded me of the she darkness background of, of Dormammu type thing. Or maybe the character of Eternity that we have. Possibly. 
you know, that kind of thing, too. And then I said, oh, Clea. Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. I immediately thought Clea. And it's, it's surprising that it took this long for Clea to be introduced in the universe of Doctor Strange. But, again, I'm all here for it. Yeah, and she said, but her line, I didn't get the whole line. There's there's a disturbance. In the Force. That's not what quite oh, no. it was. Well, remember, but, ladies no. and gentlemen, May 27th, the debut of Kenobi on the award-winning Disney+. Plus. I was going to say Top Gun Maverick is out in theaters, too, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really just... <laughs> you know, speaking... You don't feel the need speaking, for speed, do you? Okay. I never saw the first one. Yeah, well, I need to go back to that anyway. But anyway, speaking of Tom Cruise, you know, it's funny because everyone was talking about, is Tom Cruise going to be in here as Tony Stark? Because, ladies and gentlemen, if you remember... Tom Cruise auditioned to play oh, oh, well, Tony Stark, you know. mm-hmm. and there's footage of him for the test footage. Of course there is if he auditioned. Yeah. You know, we've got to make sure that it did happen. But he was supposed to be, and the rumor and innuendo was, hey, he's going to be an alternate universe Tony Stank. And I would have been there for it, but to be completely honest, I feel like it's it's weird to say it, but it's like it's like a person that actually died. Is it too soon to bring him back? <laughs> you know, it's like one of those... like. Do you bring Tony back? Although I feel like it w- that would have overshadowed a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, but if he, we've introduced the concept of alternate realities, universes, then it might be about right timing. Now. It's weird, you know. It is, but but you're, you're, consider you you'd be on Earth eight three eight instead of six one six. You know, and it's not Earth six one six, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care. <laughs> not my MCU. <laughs> Hashtag no. Not my, we no. can only cover one MCU, and this is it. If it's a marvelous... The sub- Monster Cinematic Universe. Yes, we're going to be talking about Draculas and yes. Frankensteins in, and ghosts and in, goblins. In Marvelous Sub-Level 2, it'll be, you know... But what made me laugh... The with, Headless Horseman and the Living Mummy and, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what made me laugh in regards to the uh, utilization of... Uh, t- uh, the non-utilization of Tony. You know, it, it doesn't take you away from it. Now, flip side, you're introducing Reed Richards. Shouldn't that take you away from it? Not really, mm-hmm. because... The character of Reed Richards on film has not been seen since 2015 right. with the uh, fan four stick by Josh Trank. Less said about that, the better. But Miles with, Teller, right? Yeah, well, they told somebody. Miles but, Teller is in Top Gun Maverick. That's nice. Eddie. FYI. <laughs> He's yeah. also in War Dogs. And, oh, I can't think of it now. Uh, Ready Player One? That's, yeah. Okay, cool. Nice, nice that I knew that, actually. <laughs> anyway. In regards to uh, the utilization, it's like he's not overshadowing it because we've had a while where we haven't seen the character. So it's fair. It's not like, you know, like there's going to be, again, the chittering. Fantastic Four. Who cares? But, you know, it's like, and I, I really do hate saying that, but like I do know a number of people are just like, who gives a shit about the Fantastic Four? And I'm like, I understand where you're coming from. I do. But. Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash themarvelous, and you can check out Fantastic Voyage, where we cover every issue, issue by issue, of the Fantastic Four. And i got to admit, also, yeah, the first 20 or so issues of the Fantastic Four are pretty mid, but it gets better after Galactus, I, I assure you. And not with uh, him? Yes, it does. Oh, that Galactus run, hachimachi. It's, it's like, once you get past, it's like eating your vegetables. It gives you a hunger, yes. You eat your vegetables, you're fine, and then you eat the, you eat the, the main course, your steak or your... Tofake, you know, whatever it is, you know, you gluten eat free, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And you eat that and you're just like, wow, that was great. But I had to deal with that other crap beforehand. Yes. I get that. And in but, some cases, afterhand, too. Anyway, mm. 
I uh, there's some there's a lot of stuff that we still haven't really covered with this, and it's if you know we're also pressed for time because we do have an interview coming up after this with a uh, comic creator that we're going to be recording momentarily. But I feel like Eddie, after that interview, do you want to maybe add a little bit more into this? Maybe like an extra 10, 20 minutes. Either or is possible. I yeah. mean, I do have some highlights I was able to uh, jot down because even my wife who watched it with me said, I need to see this again. <laughs> and yeah. also, do you need help? What are you writing down? You know, this kind of thing. <laughs> or who's Clea? I had to explain that part. And they kind of was like, they were like, all right, that's fine. You know, we, we get that. That's that's a cool, whatever. But one thing among others that we didn't mention was the um, naming of uh, Wondagore, which, as I had to refresh myself, was the oh, mountain... Wow. Where the elder god slash demon Chathan wrote the Darkhold. Wasn't Wong an absolute MVP in this movie? Oh, Wong. The Sorcerer oh, yeah. Supreme, by the way, you have to say because you have to bow to him. Y- yes, so we had like two, and Steven still not becoming, at least in this point, the Sorcerer Supreme. I love Supreme. that. I really love that. Like he. Like you know, everybody but the, who you thought was going to be, the, I, uh, the SS is not. I love. Oh, you don't want to have the SS in the MCU, Eddie? Hmm. Sorcerer Supreme. Oh, not Nazis. Good. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I went with this before. S.S. Minnow. Okay, Gilligan? Little buddy? But we digress. Don't. Uh, one of the things in regards to that whole element of Strange still isn't the Sorcerer Supreme, I'm equating it right now to uh, Anakin with the uh, Jedi Council, but he has not reached the title of Master. You're still not Master. You're still not Jedi Master. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. But Wondagore also, I looked up, was also the base for the High Evolutionary in another timeline story. So there. And the Darkhold, I think I recall there being a 12-issue series of its own comic book in the 90s. So that might now have turned into uh, some kind of, uh, maybe something of value. And there's Dark... Well, probably not, because it's from the 90s. But there's also, Eddie, Darkhold, the whole event, by the Steve Orlando of comics. Steve Orlando, friend of the show, Steve Orlando. So... So, S.O., be, be, Steve Orlando. Very by the good. way, By the way, congratulations to Steve Orlando with his new comic that he just released over at Marvel. And I believe it's it's sold out at a lot of places, so if you track it down, get it. The uh, Giant Size X-Men uh, Thunderbird, I believe it is, co-written with AEW superstar Nyla Rose. Oh, so. the newly released this week. Yeah. It's exactly. Did, did you get it? I, I, I did not. Do they have a lot of copies at the shop uh, by you? Some. Yeah, some. Cool. I thought about it, but then I didn't. And I, I said, should. oh, I don't know. But if it's by our s- buddy, the Steve Orlando of comics. going to start my another. Uh, I mean, it's a, one, it's, it's a one shot, Eddie. Yes, but it could go into some other thing, which is. It very, probably won't, but. <laughs> it's marketing. That's what it is, too. But, but the, st- the statue of Doctor Strange and how, uh, what, he defeated Thanos and listed as Earth's mightiest hero. Hello. I, I like. Okay. Hello, Eddie. I like the idea of. We now see alternate universes of who ended Thanos's uh, reign, mm-hmm. and by the way, you know, going back over, we go in the beginning with him talking about at the wedding and talking yes. to the guy. And by the way, I got to tell you the thing about I, if I was writing this scene, there was going to be a one line I would love to throw in of how, uh, what are their names? Oh, the kids? No, I'm talking about your cats. <laughs> Because I'm, I once he said my cat's, you know, snapped away. I'm like, I do feel bad for him. Like that's sad. Cats are nice. I, I'm a cat dad. Uh, yeah, ditto. So, ditto, not ditko. Yeah, I thought. Uh, I don't know if it was a weak scene. One thing I read said they thought it was like, why did they do this? And that was the the fight scene where it was being called the the music notes. Fight. Oh, I loved the hell out of I that. I mean, was that supposed to lighten up the thing? I thought what could be great is to. Did you not like the scene? No, I thought it was it was a departure. It was I thought it lightened things up. It did. I love somehow that made scene. it not as serious. Like okay, these these music notes are not going to be as powerful. But I did think 
that in some respect, this is where this song should have come into it. Boo. And it's what, <laughs> 1998, cheese, Bittersweet Symphony. Which is a cover, by the way. From the Verve. But it's a cover. Well, that's nice. There's lots of covers. But this was a cover of it's the original. Like by? I forgot who it is, but it's actually a cover. Oh, okay. I learned that the other day. Well, now I learned it this day. So yes, there we did. go. On Free Comic Book Day Eve. Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, Soft Cells Tainted Love is actually a cover? Uh, yeah, I think I did. Yeah. So Quite the, possibly. The cup, the cup. When you expand it into Where Did Our Love Go, which is Supremes. I think it's Gloria Jones or somebody. Good cover. But anyway, okay. it, it made me laugh with the musical note scene because all I could think of was the game Revolution X starring Aerosmith where music is the weapon. <laughs> so I got a kick out of that scene. It was very Fantasia-esque because I remember seeing like an early review saying like they have like a fan- straight-up Fantasia scene in this. I'm like, oh, I kind of want to see that. And when it was that, I'm like, oh, that's friggin' cool. Like the idea of utilizing the music notes and just – this is what kind of character Doctor Strange is. He can make a weapon out of anything. Actually, now that you said music, I realized that from the first one, he knows his music. Yeah. Whether it's Bob Seger from 1970-whatever, the album, and so on. Uh, music, here's another you know, uh, representation of that. Uh, one other thing just to mention real quick is, uh, and or are, the two wizards, one being the green minotaur, Rintra, from the planet Ar- Arval, I believe it is, an ally or an acolyte of Strange, and, and I think Sarah was the other wizard that I would need to pay more attention to. And, of course, like in the beginning, the ending of The Third Eye. And is that a good thing or not a good thing? So when I I hear Third Eye, all I can think of is the uh, comedian Bill Hicks with the whole uh, Third Eye routine he does uh, that was actually immortalized in a Tool song. But I like the music of Third Eye Blind. That's very nice, Eddie. At least it's better than the Goo Goo Dolls. What a terrible name for a band. They, they hate that name, you can tell. They hate that name. Yeah. Imagine trying to be a serious artist. You're going around calling yourselves the Goo Goo Dolls. Hey, listen. How many people wear Goo Goo Dolls t-shirts? You think you know who they might have been inspired from, but they won't tell you? Kaja Goo Goo. Ah, the president of the Kaja Goo Goo fan club speaks. Here I am. <laughs> oh, man. Again, you know, for any episode, somebody's first. I remember Eddie telling me he bought a bunch of Kaja Goo Goo merchandise, including posters. And I was like, I've never seen a Kaja Goo Goo poster. But he's like, yeah, my friend told me about this band. <laughs> It's still my favorite thing. It's like you were investing in stocks. <laughs> the next big thing coming over from across the big pond. Guess what? <laughs> Not quite. It all ended up in a pond. But, one song. But anyway, uh, one of the things that got me as well is the uh, Shuma Gorath or Gorath or Whatever that big octopus... I like that they kept calling him an octopus. Yeah. That was not an octopus. Octopuses, is, they have those big goopy heads. This is like a starfish. And you know they couldn't say starfish because another no. movie no, got right. a starfish. Was it Starro, I think? Yeah, from Starro the... the Conqueror. Yeah, so so this was Starro uh, grown up with uh, you know the extended... Well, the no, Starro's no. bigger. Starro's Star- much bigger. Starro stepped on people. I'm just thinking of the limbs being longer than just the points on the starfish. Or but yeah. okay, with with that character, uh, they, it has they, a, it has they, yes, it, it has it. a name, and it's not Shuma Garath, even though it is Shuma Garath. There's like a name change mm. due to the estate of Robert E. Howard. Although it's kind of interesting because Jeez. Marvel, you know, does stuff now with the Conan line, and they're dealing with the Robert E. Howard estate. So. Who knows what fun and misadventures we'll go through with legal battles. Mm-hmm. But in regards to that villain, like it was very much a one-and-done kind of villain. I was like, oh, cool, we're going to see more. Nope, dead. Like, no, you, you and took this long to know how what it would take to defeat it. Just pluck its eye out. Yeah, and that was that. Although that character, again, you know, we discussed it on a previous episode when uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness news was coming around. 
my immediate memories of that character are the Marvel versus Capcom games where you're seeing oh. that as one of the uh, main characters you can play as. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, you don't think to see that kind of character. Like, I'm, I'm waiting now for the day Marrow shows up in a, or Marrow or Marrow. It's Marrow, M-A-R-R-O-W. But that character show up in, like, the X-Men universe. Well, that would be Marrow to me. Marrow, then. Like, yeah. Bone Marrow. Yeah, that's what... Because she's got bones protruding out of her uh, spine or Perfect. whatever. Perfect. And it's Marrow. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that name does sound familiar, too. Well, the other thing, too, is w- with respect to this Third Eye or th- or Eye of Agamotto, which was... Wasn't it destroyed, taken out of the protective necklace that Strange is wearing? Uh, or was it a fake? A wizard did it, Eddie. I guess. I, you know, Literally. In an alternate universe, does he actually get power back from this thing? And so do you just go along with it? Or is it a fallacy in the in the film? A phallic Eddie. Eddie, this is a kid's Shh. show. You stop that. What kind of kid, this is a what family kind of show. kid are you listening to this then? Jeez. Yeah. So anyway, the phallus. What was it, Eddie? The eye. <laughs> the third eye. The eye of Agamotto. It certainly can be a third leg. It can be... Not something else. Depending on the size. You know... Sizes and everything, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but <laughs> mental hole in my tongue for four words that you don't want me to say. Oh, man. Ooh, and what? It's, and ooh, it's not. And tell, it's not, tell. It's not shut the front door either. <laughs> but in regards to another thing with this movie, the level of gore, and you know, you get it right off the bat with the eye getting plucked from this creature, the, octopus-like y- thing. Yeah, yeah, and just right immediately you know where we're going with this and you can do this level of gore in a pg-13 movie i guess although sam raimi did it with uh 2009's drag me to hell so Mm. he it's i remember when this movie was getting pitched by uh kevin feige during one of their uh marvel uh thanksgiving day parade things at d23 and he's saying this is marvel's first horror movie and it's like are you really going to do that? And it came, it definitely did come across as that. And like, there was like, it's, oh, it's not going to be over the top blood and guts. Kind of was in some aspects. Or got close to that. But I thought for the it, first one was supposedly touted to be New Mutants. Well, that's not the MCU. Much how Morbius is not, you know, part of the MCU either. Ah, uh, hashtag Morbius sweep yet again. Sweep of references to that movie. Ah. Uh, you got a breath of fresh air already? No, I'm going to shut your mic off in a minute here. How dare you. Mike who? But in regard, I was going to do one that makes this an NC-17 show. Who I'm not going to say who it. Who let him in? Okay. But in regards to, uh, what's it called? It being a horror movie, it's also borrowing elements from another kind of horror movie, Poltergeist. Because you can see the Poltergeist influence with yes. that. Such okay. as scenes like the uh, this dream sequence with Xavier and mm-hmm. Wanda. And again... Just that level of uh, how they perfected the jump scare in this. Now, another thing in regards to the element of horror with this movie, because this is a Sam Raimi joint and we're having acknowledgments of his past as a you know horror movie director with the Evil Dead franchise. I don't know if it shows up. I really hope it does. But the uh, Necronomicon, like when I'm seeing the uh, Darkhold start to burn away and everything... I was half expecting to see a face in on the uh, cover of the book like the Necronomicon, like maybe in that style, you know? Well, would did the Darkhold, unless I'm thinking of something, Harry Potter, have an eye in it, on it also, on the cover? I'm so new to Darkhold stuff, I don't know. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I can't say, because again, ladies and gentlemen, you know, here at the Marvelists, we're not experts on every single topic that we discuss, you know, with things like that. Like, it's okay to not know something, ladies and gentlemen. So, Eddie, did you, did you know that in the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, yeah. Names have been changed to protect the innocent. That, Copyright yes, issues. Yes, I, yes. Did you, did you? What happened to Martin X? Charlie 27, you know. He's hanging out twenty Charlie 28. Oh, that would make sense. Somewhere. Well, in, in numerical order, yes. <laughs> right. Do, but, the, do the math. No. I was an art student. That's why I didn't want to do math. No, this is where we are. Okay. We sure are. But in regards to overall with the horror elements, I like that there was a lot of influences that you could tell through just, again, psychological horror with this too. You know? Um, yeah. Disturbing on a couple of levels. My wife said she was afraid to go to sleep. Maybe she'd be thinking about scenes um, throughout, but I think she did okay. I think it, it's it's very much like I don't. I was talking to people about this. Like, could they? Could certain people watch this and not, you know, be fine? You know, like oh, just give it a warning. Like I saw a, a number of people on social media saying, "Hey, just a heads up. This is very gory. Be careful with your kids watching this." Yeah, it takes PG thirteen to probably just that limit of where it, where it could get you know to the next uh, rating I'm, level. I'm fine with the gore. I'm fine with this. I'm fine with that. But again, there are people out there. It's not their cup of tea, and I get that. So, uh, it had you know on a couple levels elements of dark and multiverse levels of of that too. But uh, somebody's going to go back and again, like you said earlier, freeze the frames and see what um, Jay Giles song by the way. That's right. See how many multiverses were gone through between with Strange and, and America. I love the paint one. The paint and, one uh, is like it's such a trippy looking thing, and it's again it's appropriate because of the subject matter we're dealing with. And the character, whichever whichever multiverse it was that Doctor Strange's face turned into, uh, you know, slice and dice, tic tac toe board or something. That was one of those. I know a number of people that were like weirded out by that visual, like before the movie came out when that was in the. Trailer. That was part I'm of the like, trailer. Really, like that weirded you out? Yeah. So I, I actually it kind of reminded me too when when Thanos uh, knocked off um, a Dra- bank no Drax a bank Drax yeah I can and see I that. think maybe um, Mantis went that way also yeah I again I so like... that effect came back whatever got cubed how about let's put it that way like like so much cheddar cheese and it, it's funny because after this movie you know has come out a lot of people are wondering what Sam could do next. And there are a number, like, would you want to see him return to Spider-Man? Because he's gone on record saying how much he loves John Watts' interpretation of uh, Peter Parker. Like, he loved uh, No Way Home and just that whole element of what he did with that. Or could there be another, like, you you mentioned some other kind of character, I believe, that you could see him doing a movie with. Did I? I, I think you did, because it was in regards to, like, the cosmic element. Oh, uh, another trippy, cosmic trippy, character? Trippy, psychedelic what oh eternity no you said the eternals like give him the eternals and i'm like you know what that go for it oh give him the eternals well perhaps yeah but i did say when clea cut the hole in the reality that it looked like it was a scene from dormammu's you know time i've come to bargain that maybe the character of eternity i've worn my dormammu i've come to bargain uh t-shirt to the movie by the way pretty great oh that's i designed nice. that did, I, I don't know if i've seen it really yeah, yeah i'll show you later it's like a little uh 
little spiral and says Dormammu have come to bargain. Oh yes, and I yes, hand yes, typed yes. it. I hand yes. typed it sentence by sentence because I totally remember this yeah. now. Yes, okay. And it's a cool design. Well, it, that's it, your, it, that's you just know, your way of getting me to end the story. It's Eddie. a corkscrew <laughs> spiral thing. Yeah. It works. I liked it then. I still like it now. Aww, okay, but in between, I totally forgot. <laughs> What an impact, ladies and gentlemen. I could do this all day, and I guess I am. <laughs> yeah, but in re- you know, in regards to with Sam, I would love to see him maybe work on a... We're getting hype towards the Midnight Suns. Like, the Midnight Suns is definitely something that's going to happen. And if that is the case, I would like to see him maybe do, you know, again, more horror stuff. Yes, it's kind of pigeonholing Sam in that kind of realm of, he can do superhero movies, he can do horror movies. And meanwhile, he's on the side going, yeah, but I can do Oz the Great and Powerful. Who cares about that, Sam? You can do horror movies and so- comic books. But, like, you can also tell he's just a fan. Like, and he's, stre- he's stretching his creative legs, I think, in, in this now, too. He's getting to... Uh, well, I can't stretch him too far, else his, his tailor will be upset with that suit he's wearing. If you're upset with that, what about so, Reed? Fun fact, uh, Sam Raimi, at every movie he directs, he wears a full uh, suit. Suit, tie, all that stuff. The jacket. Because it's... It's professional. It's not bad I lo- at all. I love that about him. I think, like, I would love to see behind-the-scenes photos of this with him, you know, with the, the suit. be cool to see. Suit it's up. Like, takes another meaning. He's mm-hmm. like, and Benadryl Cumberpatch. <laughs> but, S- sinus is acting up again? Yes. But um, in regards to the movie overall, I love the hell out of it. I think uh, they... It, it's funny. You wouldn't expect... Doctor Strange to be as big of a movie as it is, but it is. You know, when this movie got announced, it was the one that crashed all the uh, ticket-selling websites for movies. And, again, Doctor Strange was the one that caused that. It's so weird, but it's it does show how much people want to see this. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to happen in uh, July with Thorbius, Love and Rockets, or Love and Thunder. Thorbius. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a look at that in your face if we get something that crosses into, okay, all right, mm-hmm, still holding out on my man Michael. <laughs> and I don't mean Myers. Or Jackson. I'm M, Those are two MMs, Michael Morbius, Michael Myers. Michael Banna, the former Stevie Richards in professional wrestling. That's his <laughs> real name. That was a stretch. No, but it's really his name. Michael that, Myers. I, I believe it, so you just had to pull that one out of your wrestling behind. Thank you. But in regards to... <laughs> he said but. I thought you were going to say beehive. I'm like, that's weird. Eddie. I didn't say beehive. Buzz. Well, it's all the buzz. I, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Ladies and gentlemen, we, to recorded, the end. we recorded two episodes, and this is part two of the part one. But it's going to be all edited together. So you won't tell I edited this. Hooray! But tell your friends about The Marvelous. <laughs> we're available on, like, you know, speakeasies or on, like, signage. I don't know. What and perhaps some movie openings, too. Potentially. But in ribbon cuttings, you know, just grand oh. openings of stores. Eddie, could you imagine? Do you think those scissors can actually be used for other like chores? The giant scissors? Yeah. Could you imagine they're just like, yeah, well, it's I not got- going to be good for toenails. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be painful. Or they're going to be really long. I need to cut coupons out. Hold on, let me get the scissors. Chop, chop, chop. We'll hand out popcorn. That's true. That's it. But anyway, in regards to this movie, I love the hell out of it, and I think. Uh, you said eight and a half. No, I said eight. I said a solid. Said eight. Well, I'm going to go nine. Of course you would. That's but, right. As in you know, it is, it the is, number. It is really good. And like right now, it's sitting at a uh, 79% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which eh, that's fine. You know, 
I think it's seven, no, 78 or something like that, which is so good. But it's like, I saw, I saw somebody post this uh, graphic of the lowest rated MCU movies and that's in there. And I'm like, yeah, but Hello? it shouldn't be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, it really is a fun time. And like, I'm going to see it uh, this Saturday on free comic book day in 3d because I feel like this movie is tailor made for something like that. It's very trippy, very out there. And yeah. again, you may not want to see it on a full stomach. You may want to see if the theater seat has a seat belt. I'm very lucky that I'm not that kind of person. Where you may want to have a, a, a little paper stomach. bag nearby just in case you decide to go to Hurleyville. I don't know. Boo. Hey, that pun was terrible. I'm just looking out for you. And I will not be there with your viewing in 3D. But I just think the idea of you know, seeing that in 3D, that, that's a movie that makes sense in 3D. It, yes. You, know, it's you like, can multiverse out in 3D till the day is long, goes home, he, uh, and the cows. But in regards to overall the movie, uh, it, it flows really well. Although, yes. I will say this. The only lull in the movie for me where it just felt like a slog to watch was before, like right when they get to the Illuminati part where they're all in the cages. And I'm just like... It's a holding pattern. Where are we going now? Again, okay. I had a very much like a uh, when I went to go see Civil War. The entire movie, I'm sitting there going, "When is Spider-Man going to show up? When is Spider-Man?" <laughs> with the knowledge, well, of, with the knowledge of reading everything, I'm sitting there like, "When is Richards going to be there?" And I did want to yell in the middle of the theater, "Richards!" But I decided against it. Good you move. Know? Yeah. Well, some of that too, I think, was a little more development on this Earth's uh, deve- uh, character of Christine. It, so, it was yeah. cool. Again, it was cool to see bringing a character that I didn't think would make a reprisal in the MCU. Mm-hmm. I never thought she'd come back. This, like, well, you they know. killed her so many times in the what if thing. For <laughs> yeah, they did. yeah, they Christine! did. Christine! And we're not talking about the car. but That's another thing. Mm-hmm. But overall, yeah, I loved it. I thought it, it's definitely one of those give it a chance if you get the opportunity to see it. Obviously, uh, if And you, see it again so you can understand a little bit more. God, I, it's one of those I'm really excited to go see because I do want to see it again. Like I want to, you know, yeah. catch all of the little things that this movie has. Like you had it with Spider-Man a little bit, you know, like the whole let's see what I missed last time. This one more so because you have so much going on so many different times and yet it's still a cohesive storyline as opposed to like let's throw as much stuff on the screen as humanly possible and try and catch it along. Yeah, and I think in, at least in one of our local theaters it's got a 3 uh, weekend run. Oh, I believe it. 100%. Like cuz that's yeah. It's one of the biggest movies of the year, and ironically, it's Doctor Strange. I didn't, I did not think Doctor Strange would be a movie that caused you know mass sellouts in theaters. I, I just think that his role in in uh, Infinity War and Endgame set things up for he's a significant character to pay attention to. I think no, I think it's more of the whole selling point of the multiverse. Everyone's seeing that word now all over, and it's like, oh my yeah, god, multiverse, yeah. like. And the first one had elements of it as well. So, but because of the fact that he was able to see however a million possibilities, yeah. But when you're that was you no, know, and that tied into multiverse things. So yeah, it's more now with the post Fox era, with them mm-hmm. acquiring Fox and like what like you have Spider Man No Way Home and you have all these characters coming out of the woodwork like reprisals of people or like who is this new debut that's going to come out of the portal? It's so friggin' cool to be able to see that, and I think the idea of Hey, we're gonna bring all these characters out of the uh, the mothballs. Why not? Because now you know, anytime you throw a multiverse in a movie title or as a plot point, people are gonna be you know rubbing their hands together because it's cold. But it's also you know they want to know what are they gonna see. Next stop, July eighth, Thor: Love and Thunder, and who knows what other new characters are gonna come out of there. 
I badly want to see the OG Guardians come back. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about, you know, the Annihilation Guardians that we're going to be seeing, but I'm talking about, you know... Who I mentioned before. Charlie 27 or yeah. 26 or whatever. 27. Him, uh, Martin X, uh, other guy, and uh, Starhawk. And the girl. The girl. Char- Charlie Magoo, yes. But, not... Um, ch- <laughs> fine. Rachel McGillicuddy. But, you know, I, I like seeing all these characters reprise and just... It, I feel like at this point it's rewarding the audience. Much like how we'll be rewarding the audience by closing this episode very soon. Yes! Anyway. So, Eddie, you were going to say before I before you yesed? For the Marvelists. Yeah, you would. For, no, that's my line. That's my line. You, me, everybody in the... T- I, okay. As you wish. Aw, that means, that means he loves me. That was, a, the Princess that was Bride. a line. That was a line in the movie. And and I said, in, I got to write this down. And in the Princess Bride, as you not, wish. Not, what it, it, not what it meant in this movie. When Sir Eddie said, as you wish, what he meant was, I love you. I love you too, Eddie. And Cupid broke, the- broke his arrow then <laughs> and said, no more. For the Marvelous. <laughs> no, hell no way. For the Marvelous. I'm Peter Melnick. Easy for him to say. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And I love Peter Melnick. Wow, thank you, Eddie. That's so sweet of you to say that. Excelsior!